The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLaRente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not too much. It's uh, another week and we have football for the next 20-some-odd weeks, so let's go. <laughs> All right. And on this episode, we're joined by a very special guest. He's going to help us review the AFC and NFC South. He is a Jacksonville Jaguar season ticket holder. He's my cuzzo. What's up, Doug? What's going on, man? Hey, what's up? How y'all doing, man? I'm Great good. to be with y'all guys this evening. I'm good, man. Thanks for joining us this, today on Know the Score, man. Happy to be here. All right. So just a reminder that this is a CSPN production. You can find us on the web at www.cspn.us. So, fellas, we're going to talk about the AFC South since we got Dougie here to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we'll start mm-hmm. with those guys first. Jacksonville okay. Jaguars, they're key additions. They added guard Andrew Norwell, wide receiver Dante Moncrief, tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins, tight ends Niall Paul, and QB Cody Kessler, cornerback DJ Hayton, and defensive back Don Carey. Their key losses were wide receiver Alan Hearns, wide receiver Alan Robinson, and cornerback Aaron Colvin. Their key rookies are Taven Bryan, wide receiver DJ Clark, and safety Ronnie Harrison. So, Doug, nobody yeah. expected the Jaguars to end up where they ended up last year. The whole yeah. talk was get rid of Blake Bortles. He's holding you back once everybody yeah. got into the season and things started to mature as far as your defense being a beast and, you know, one of the best in the league. So coming into this season, I know you're excited about the tight ends that you guys have added to go with, um, yeah. you know, the the running game that, that it surfaced uh, this past season. So just talk about your expectations for this season's Jaguars team and uh, you okay. know, and how the losses will affect you as well. Okay, listen. My, first of all, my expectation is a lot lower than some would think being a season ticket holder for so long, you know, and being a fan. So I kind of kind of hamper my own expectations first. Uh-huh. So last year, we met my only expectation was to win the division. That's it. My only expectation this year is win the division, you know? Mm-hmm. I really don't have an expectation of Super Bowl. I'm a realist, you see what I'm saying? But um, I think if you could stack up division championships, um, you're in the right direction. I think we're in the right way. Okay, all right. Now, the passing game uh, will take a hit this year as your you know, the two names in your passing game, Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson, both departed. But uh, what are you, your expectations of wide receiver Dante Moncrief and you know Austin Safarian Jenkins and Niles Paul? How do you think they're going to help Blake Bortles? Well, I think with um, with Safarian Jenkins, starting with him, with Safarian Jenkins, we have with the with the with the release of Mercedes Lewis, you know, Safarian Jenkins, we have a, a rangy tight end right now. You know, mm-hmm. we have a tight end now that can also block. Maybe not can block as good as Mercedes Lewis, 
but he can stretch the field a little bit more, you know, than Mercedes Lewis could. Also, Niles Paul, the same thing I, I, I've been reading. Now they've been splitting Niles Paul out, you know. Okay. Um, so I, I, I just think with the running game, they're big guys, they're athletic guys. You know, they can only do, they can only help the squad right now coming off the running game because we're going to run the ball, man. And then we're going to run the ball and we're going to throw the ball downfield. It's, it's just simple. This is old school football. We're going to force the run just like we did last year through um, that slew of running backs with uh, Leonard Fournette, um, uh, T.J. Um, uh, Yeldon, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Corey Grant and a, and a couple other young guys we got right now. Okay. Dwayne, I'm going to bring you in here, man. Um, you know, Jacksonville really opened some eyes when they went up to Pittsburgh in the uh, regular season game and they got those five interceptions on Ben and hung that big number up on them, shut Pittsburgh down. So, um, you know, what are you looking at for Jacksonville this year? Do you expect them to maybe – get one round farther this year, maybe make it to the uh, AFC Championship, uh, the Super Bowl, because they were in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, they, they definitely were, and they definitely brought my – they caught a, attention, mainly the defense, uh, and the defense is really what made this team go last year. Uh, Saxonville was the team, and they lived up to it, and and I think they'll definitely set the tone because do you in order to be a great playoff team – you have to have a great defense, and right. Jacksonville has that. And right. they have the they have that front four led by Calais Campbell for you. Um, I also am impressed by Jalen Ramsey. Um, who's on the other side of Jalen Ramsey? AJ Ali, we call him AJ Bumaye. AJ Bumaye. There you go. There you go. I, I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yes, uh, so those two, you got two great shutdown yeah. corners right there. You have a great uh, linebacker. Telvin Smith's still there, right? Oh, yeah. You got Telvin yeah. Smith. You got Tom uh, or is he, is he, he retired. He retired. He retired. He retired. Yeah. Okay. You got Miles Jack, uh, Telvin Smith, and uh, a young uh, guy. Fowler. Uh, Fowler, too, right? Well, Dante Fowler's a D. He, he plays DN. He's only a, a specialty guy, man. You know? Yeah. And then you added Marcel Darius in the middle. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, yes. you have that as well. And so the weakness, uh, uh, Hayden is the only, I'm not going to say a weakness. I just think I was the Aaron Colvin fan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Aaron Colvin, to me, there's no better nickel defender in the league than Aaron Colvin. Okay? Right. Hands down. Aaron Colvin had the most sacks as a nickel defensive back in the league last year. Okay? Right. And the year before last year. You know what I mean? Right. So um, his 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 departure from the team, if there's going to be any weakness on Jacksonville's defense, I think it's going to be there. Because, you know, he, his play was overshadowed by everyone else. You know, mm-hmm. and if you're if you're not a fan of the Jags, you don't know where Hoven is. You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, I am not mad at him going to get his bag. Where did he go? The Texans. Yes. And he, he's going to be on an island. So the Texans are going to be a force, man. I'm telling you, you know, especially. Yeah, we're gonna. Oh yeah, that's, that's actually. Well, we're gonna, that's we're gonna shift to next. But go ahead, Dwayne. Go ahead and take your last one. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So the last one I'm gonna make. So, in order to get to the, uh, in order to have like a deep cha- a playoff run, the defense is the anchor. There's a lot of better additions for this Jaguars team yeah. than than the uh, subtractions. They maintain their core, and then you know as long as you have 
a game manager. I want to say, whoa, 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 hey. whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm just thinking, man. I thought that was a shot. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm gonna say as long as you got, as long as you have, as long as you have the line. Go ahead. Let me, let me think of it like this: Blake Bortles, right? Since we did going there, I'm a fan. Okay, I watched the maturation of this guy. You know what I mean? If he has protection and he had a good solid guard, which we got this year, he's going to shine. Yes, this year. yes, I already he's know. I'm shine. not mad about that. He's not, yeah, you must be a Panther fan. Sorry, brother. I am. I am. He, 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 I think he's going to shine this year. Um, even with, you think Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson, we made it to the AFC Championship game without either of them guys last year. This is true. You know, Alan Robinson went out the first game of the season for the whole season. Alan Hearns been in and out. I think he didn't really start playing until we got into the playoffs. You right. know, so I don't really think, you know, with the wide receiver squad, you didn't even talk about wide receivers right now. You know, you got DJ Chark. Who, who, by the way, just in, in practice this week, scored three touchdowns on Jalen Ramsey. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you have, um, you still have uh, DJ Chark, Marquise Lee, um, uh, Rashad Green, who no one's ever seen play, but he's on our team. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm looking for the emergence of Rashad Green this year, as well as um, Dante, what's his name, Dante Moncrief. You know, right. Dante Creep is going to spread the field. I think it's going to, I think with the run game, running that ball, I think it'll open up with Jacksonville and I think it'll make uh, some plays available for Blake Bortles to show what he can really do. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. Dwayne, you, you want to jump back in on one more thing though? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say before. Okay. So I was going to say, as long as you got, you got a game managing quarterback, you have the running game, which is, very dynamic. Yes. You have you have uh, Fournette and Yeldon, and that's a nice one-two punch there. Mm. And also, one of my favorite receivers that emerged while Hearns and Robinson were out was Booby Westbrook. Yes. And so. Yes. And so. And so, um, I think I think as long as you know these guys are healthy, uh, Jacksonville has a definite shot to. You know, repeat what they did last year, and yeah. who knows? Maybe even get over that that hump in Foxborough right. going as the Patriots. So, right. I, I, I believe if if, if ooh, let me cross my heart, injuries would be the failure. You know what I mean? You know, even though we're a pretty deep team right now, I think injuries would 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 be would be the thing that would just derail this team because they have the right mindset right now. They're ready to rock. Right you now. Um, I'm not saying none of the other teams are. I'm just, I'm just sitting here and I see it every day, and I'm a fan, so I'm all about it. All right. All right. So we're gonna move over to probably the team that would be the most maybe exciting team. Everybody have the most eyes on them. The Houston Texans. They added uh, Tyron Matthew. They added Aaron Colvin from the Jacksonville Jaguars that we talked about. They added guard Zach Fulton. Uh, another guard, Sino Clemente. Uh, offensive tackle, Centro Henderson. Wide receiver, Sammy Coates, and quarterback Brandon Whedon. Their key losses were right tackle Derek Newton and tight end C.J. Pedorowicz. They lost safety Marcus Gilchrist and linebacker Brian Cushing. Their key rookies were safety Justin Reed, center Martinez, Rank- Martinez Rankin, excuse me, and tight end Jordan Atkins. So, Dwayne, we'll bring you in on the Texans. Let's add key additions being um, uh, Deshaun Watson, as he's going to be coming back off of uh, you know ACL tear last year. So, I think a lot of people are expecting – at least a lot of explosiveness as far as offense from the Texans this upcoming year. 
But I'm going to ask you, can their defense rebound? This team had really been built on defense, was holding them up for most of their you know years with Bill O'Brien. But last year, their defense kind of fell off when they finally got a quarterback. So can they kind of? Yeah, well, the defense. Yeah, my fault. Uh, the defense fell off because they were. They, I mean, if you ever see Madden and all the crosses, everybody had crosses next to their name, like the key players, like JJ Waters, that, uh, Whitney Merciless was out. And, and so you had a lot of key guys that were, that were out. And as a result, you know, this defense fell off so much. There's only so much that. So much that uh, that three uh, Jackson, to Jonathan Joseph, and mm-hmm. and Vadarjik uh, McKinney can do. I mean, so we know the defense was a liability, but it's all about the health on the defense side of the ball for this Houston team, and they they had a, they had really get some players. I mean, we've been waiting on that Clowney and Watt outside duo for. Many years, but they have not played that many games together. We're being honest, so right. Um, so it's really, it's really hard to, it's really hard for the um, to say that you know the defensive line every when you know your main defensive guys are out, and so and so now it's you know, but, Oh, I didn't go ahead, brother. Yeah, so and then with the offensive side of the ball, I mean, you got Watson coming back. You got a potential three-headed running back monster and Lamar Miller, Deontay Foreman, and Alf Boo, depending on what they do. And then you got DeAndre Hopkins and and uh, Will Fuller, because, you know, Will Fuller was was one of Deshaun Watson's favorite targets. And when he went down, we did not hear him from Will Fuller that much again. Yeah, my fantasy uh, team suffered for that. Right, and so, so yeah, so it's going to be a very interesting one. So, Watson comes back. I think they are the biggest threat to the Jaguars in the division. I think Jacksonville has the upper hand because of their establishment, but we'll um, we'll leave it. At, I'll leave it at that. All right. Doug, jump in. This is the reason kind of why I wanted to have somebody who was inside the division because right. not only do you know your own team, you know who you yeah, play against too. So, um, you know, talk about, you know, like like Dwayne was mentioning, the Jaguar, the Texans defense did suffer a lot of injuries to a lot of their main yeah. guys. So talk about, you know, the threat that they posed to Jacksonville's throne and, you know, right. uh, who you fear and, you know, on their team and, and who do you think that you guys can take advantage of on their team as well? Um. I'm going. I'm going to jump out there. I, I fear, and I think we could take advantage of this guy at the same time. Is Deshaun Watson? I fear him, but at the same time, I believe my defense is fast enough and, and and good enough to hold him. At times, you won't be able to completely hold him. I fear Tyron Matthew. Okay. I fear uh, Aaron Colvin. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Clowney. All these guys. But let me ask you guys something. I, I'm not too sure of. I can't remember. When was Wade Phillips last season? Uh, he was he moved on from them uh, last year. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Two uh, years. He didn't he didn't co- he didn't coach them last year. Right, right, right. So that was another outside of um outside of your injuries. That was another key weakness in that team is no way Phillips. And we defensively, we come at you changing systems, and I I felt we kind of took advantage of that at one point in time, especially in the beginning of the season when we beat them so bad. You know, mm-hmm. you took advantage of of their scheme. We the as the Jaguars, but uh. 
listen, if it's any team, I'm not going to say that because, you know, we, we got a powerhouse division depending on Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think the Col- I mean, the Texans, <sighs> look, I don't even know what to think, honestly, but I just know that uh, they're going to be some contenders, man, because they got the wide receivers, they got the running backs, they definitely got the quarterback of the future. You know, I see us battling with these guys for the next at least five or six years. Yeah, you know, they, you, this is going to be the, you know, the, the those are going to be the definite, you know, offense versus defense matchups that, you know, everybody's yes. going to t- tune in for. Mm-hmm. And it's also just amazing how just a few years the AFC South went from the laughing stop to right. one of the better divisions in football, kind of like the NFC South. Right, exactly. All right, so you mentioned Andrew Luck and the Colts, so we'll move on to yeah. them. So they added head coach Frank Wright. Tight end, Eric Ebron, right receiver, Ryan Grant, guard, Matt Slauson, offensive tackle, Austin Howard, and defensive end, Danico Autry. Their key losses were Frank Gore, Dante Moncrief, linebacker, Markebius Bingo, linebacker, John Bostic, defensive tackle, Jonathan Hankins, and cornerback, Rashad Melvin. Their key rookies, guard, Quentin Nelson, guard, Brady Smith, Braden Smith, excuse me, um, outside linebacker, Darius Leonard, defensive end, Kamiko Toure, and defensive end, Taekwon Lewis. So we'll bring you in again to talk about the Colts. You know, everything is definitely going to be based on Andrew Luck's health. He's finally been able to throw the ball farther than 10 yards and it's a real football and not an earth football. And, you know, he's taking part in all the, the, um, you know, training camp activities. So this team is a really a, a wild card because they have a whole new regime coming in. They have, you know, new coach, new defense, um, you know, so, Nobody has any real film on what Frank Wright is going to be as a coach. I mean, they can look at the Eagles, um, you know, films, but I mean, different players and and different scheme, you know, tailored to his players. So talk about your expectations for the Colts. Um, Do you feel that they're, you know, a team that's laying in the weeds or do you think that they may be in the top of the draft again just because of the new coach and so much turnover? Well, you know, I think the Colts are one team. and, And then and then again, as we watch the NFL evolve. Okay, as I say, evolve. You have young coaches that are dynamic that come in and turn teams around. You have all kind of all kind of schemes, and, and, and where coaches, if they're good enough, if they're good teachers, they can come in and turn a sorry team around overnight. You know, so um, I'm, I'm looking for that to happen with the Colts. Honestly, I think, like you said, Don, with no film or no nothing, they're going to come out of the gate smacking people in the mouth because people are underestimating them and. Uh, it's in my division as well, so I kind of temper what I think is going to happen because I'm unsure. They're just a wild card for me right now. It's kind of hard to say because I, I don't have any history with this new regime, you know? Right, right. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people are going to look at the loss of Frank Gore as a really big loss because he was probably the most consistent player on their team. On the team, right. Last year and through the past couple of years, to be honest, with all the, you know, Andrew Luck being in and out of the lineup. So I think, you know, if they can't find something at running back to kind of sure up and not leave Andrew Luck out there to get hit because, you know, their offensive line has also been a point of uh, concern for them for right. several years. Um, if they can kind of ease that up with a good running game, they may be able to, you know, just have Andrew Luck make, you know, 10 or 15 throws he's got to make. And if he can complete 12 of them, or, you know, eight of them right, you know, right. out of those, you know, must-have throws, then, you know, that could be the success for them to win. 
So, Dwayne, let me bring you in here. Well, I hate to, I hate to cut in. Oh, well, let me, let yeah. me make one, one, one sidebar. Okay. As, as Jacksonville fans, we would rather see, and this is the consensus in the city, we would rather see Jacoby Brissett, I mean, Andrew Luck than Jacoby Brissett. Okay. Wow. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's become that. Andrew Luck is yeah. falling off that cliff, huh? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're already like, okay, we're going to eat Andrew Luck up. We're not we're, I, I, I still, I'm, you know, Andrew Luck's a great quarterback to me. I just think, you know, he's scary. You know, I'm right. not sleeping on him one bit, you know. But I think that here, the fans here are like, okay, we're going to smash him. He's going to get in. We're going to hurt him. But, you know, what kind of system is going to be in play for Jacoby Brissett? Because there's always going to be that possibility. He may be their starter sometime this season. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I've always said your quarterback doesn't have to be a quote-unquote scrambler or be able to run 4-3 like Michael Vick did. But he just got to be able to get out of the way. And Andrew Luck hasn't – he can, but recently he hasn't proven that he can get out of the way. But Jacoby Brissett can definitely get out of the way and make some plays. So I understand where the fans may be thinking that it's going to be hunting season with Andrew Luck just standing back there kind of stationary. So, Dwayne, I'm going to get you in on the Colts. You know, Frank Wright coming in from the Eagles, you can assume that they're going to try to have a lot of this, you know, run pass option as far as offensive scheme where maybe Luck doesn't hold on to the ball as long. Maybe the the, 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 the change will be, you know, more traditional West Coast three-step, five-step. You know, he doesn't take those long dropbacks where he does get hit. So do you think that maybe the scheme can protect Andrew Luck more than the actual talent that he may have in front of him? Uh, first off, shout out to Frank Wright, Chris quarterback in Carolina Panthers history. Now, secondly, uh, secondly, I want to say this. It's going to really be the talent up on that line, I think. Yeah, the scheme may help a little bit in getting the ball out quicker, and but it's really going to be one of those things where does he have enough up front to not run around for his life? Because that's Really, all we see Andrew Luck do is run for his life pretty much every single time the ball was snapped. And, yeah, he made a lot of great things happen, but that also took a, led to a lot of hits and ultimately his injury. So I think that the talent is really going to have to really, really be there for, for him. And if it isn't there for him, then we may be seeing more of the – more the same. I hate to say that, but uh, the Colts, though, you know, they have, they still have uh, Luck, Hilton, uh, Jack Galil. I don't really trust Eric Ebron that much because he never really was a reliable tight end for Matthew Stafford. And so I don't really, he kind of reminds me of Ed Dixon. Maybe he'll have a revival of his career and will be having Stonehand Syndrome. But I think that, and also the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you don't have Vontae Davis. You don't have, you really right. don't have an identity on defense. So right. uh, the defense is going to be really the issue here. And then also, you know, keep in mind, Frank Lang didn't even get the chance to confirm his defensive coordinator. The defensive coordinator came right. from Dallas through Josh McDaniels when Josh McDaniels was going to take the job that he went right. through. Run the job. So this is a really, yeah, this is a really a, um, this is a something that, you know, Frank Wright's going to work with on the fly, see if it works. But, you know, this was a team that 
was really in a whole lot of disarray because of Joshua Daniels and and um, and I agree. I agree though. This is gonna be a wild card too because there's nothing to go off on. I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna have some preseason film and you probably won't get really much of anything till like the third game. But that's really about it, honestly. I, you know what? I, I want to sidebar on that too. I think that now that you think about it. You have a talented quarterback in Andrew Luck. Health is the issue, but talent is not the issue. IQ is not the issue. You know, uh, Hilton, same thing. Talent is, is not the issue. IQ is not the issue. Now, who is the running back again? Who are they running back? They got, they got Marlon Mack, Robert Turbin, and Christine Michael. Robert Turbin, Turbin, and Christian Michael. That's right. Yeah. So they're like B-listers, you know? So, uh, I don't know, man. I, I think, I think, like you said, I think, We'll see, but I, something in my gut tells me that the Colts aren't going to be playing this year either. Just something just tells me just just keep my keep my ears up, you know. It's just it's just just so many question marks and just so much has been going on. So many variables, like you said, I forgot all about the Justin Daniels. Just kind of threw them holes in all this array, you know. But the coach is a pretty decent coach, man. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. we'll see. We'll see. I, I think that. Quentin Nelson is going to be if he can if he stays healthy, he's going to be the the guy who can set their offensive line straight. Like that'll be one piece they can say, okay, this dude's really good. Because right. I thought that Quentin Nelson could have went to the Giants seriously at the number two pick. He's that good, right? I and, thought he's going to go to the Giants. And and um and if he can, you know, like I said, if he can stay healthy and just solidify himself and be like, hey, you know, I'm at this spot right here then I think everybody else can kind of find their way. And that may be the whole key to helping Andrew Luck stay upright. And, you know, anything can happen. As long as he stays upright, they're going to be in the games. But like you said, I think Jacoby Brissett is a really good quarterback. I, I thought that it was just amazing that the Patriots would get rid of both of their young quarterbacks who proved that they could play and win in their system. But so that was a steal for them. So they do have a good insurance policy mm-hmm. if, you know, Andrew Luck, you know, does get banged up or banged around and has to miss games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Next, we'll move on to the Tennessee Titans. They're kind of a team that went to the playoffs as a second um, uh, playoff team in this division last year, but they're going to have some, uh, you know, new additions as well in the coaching staff because Mike Malarkey uh, stood up for his guys and uh, that caused the whole regime to get fired. So, their key additions are going to be Coach Mike Vrabel and offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur because the offensive coordinator was the sticky situation for Mike Malarkey last year. They have running back Deion Lewis that they added, guard Xavier Safalo, I don't know how to say that, Sua Falilo, uh, offensive lineman Kevin Pemafield, uh, QB Blaine Gabbard, defensive back Malcolm Butler, defensive tackle Benny Logan, linebacker Will Compton. Uh, their key losses were uh, DeMarco Murray. He retired. Rod receiver Eric Decker, quarterback Matt Castle, linebacker Avery Williamson, and their key rookies are linebacker Rashawn Evans and defensive end Harold Landry. Now, this team's coming off the playoff run last year. Uh, Marcus Mariota showed some, you know, great dynamics in that comeback against Kansas City in that second half where they, you know, really went back to kind of what he is really good at, which is to kind of spread it out and let him have the option to run or pass. And he he was making the throws down the middle of the field to the tight ends and everything. So I think that the thing that they're looking for for the Titans this year is more explosiveness from the outside to get more of their wide receivers involved in their passing game so they can have control of the whole field. So, Doug, I'll bring you back in again. 
um, since you're our AFC South expert. This is probably the team that you guys, you know, had the most knockdown drag out battles with, you know, because it's two teams based on defense and running. So, you know, you're kind of looking in the mirror at each other. So who do you fear and uh, who do you think you can take advantage of when it comes to the Tennessee Titans? Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's always hard saying when you have a, for me, I know for me, speaking for me, when, when it's hard for me to gauge or judge because of the fact that when you have a regime change, you know, you're not too sure what they're going to keep or what they're going to toss. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like some of their strengths last year was Delaney Walker. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, is he going to be used the same way? You know, their, their strength outside of, before Delaney Walker was their offensive line, you know? Mm-hmm. Was is their offensive line going? Are they going to are they going to trash that whole scheme? Or because Mark Malarkey didn't do one thing good with that team, I believe he put a scheme in place. They called it uh, Smash Mouth offense or something like that. Yes, so I loved it. You know what I mean? I loved it. You know, and I thought that you know this is where the league is probably going to go. But it looks like this is where the AFC South is going back to Smash Mouth. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that scheme they had last year, I, I think Mike Malarkey's firing to me just just came from left field. I don't know where it came from. You know, I, I just they want more you know, offense, man. They 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 didn't they did they don't they want they didn't want to be so simple. I think being in being in Nashville, it was Terry Rubisky, the OC. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But what I'm saying is, it's the issue is roster. You know, you have to work with what you got until you can build your team. You know what I mean? They yeah, they, they, all their offensive plays went through Delaney Walker, right? And Marcus Mariota, you know what I mean? So, um, I mean, like a good, good bunch of the plays when it comes to touchdowns and chunk plays and possession plays, you know, you know, you knew they were, you knew Delaney Walker was getting the ball. You just couldn't really do too much with him. You know what I mean? I think that for, from the outside looking in, you know what I mean. I just, from my perspective, I, I was saying that I think you know. They could have waited, got some more team, add a few more pieces. Then nobody really wouldn't be able to do anything with them because you know it's piss, we call it Pittsburgh South when it comes to the defense. You know what I mean? Right, right. That's what we call it down here, Pittsburgh South. You know because it's almost the same scheme as the Steelers, just a little bit of you know some other things. But uh, I, 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 the Titans are, are, are a scary team. I just think I think Vrabel. I don't know. I just something tells me Vrabel is a little too cocky for that job right now. You know what I mean? And uh, just listening to some of the things he's saying, and just the way his just in the way his mannerisms are for me, I just think he's a little too cocky right now for this job. And I think it may backfire unless he knows a little something. All right. Now, Dwayne, yes, you have such a you know personal uh, connection to this team as you know this is uh, the team that you know makes most of your bread for you. So talk about the inside workings. Of uh, you know the Titans right now through training camp, what's kind of been the the news around the camp? Has you know Mike Drable, you know, in his press conferences, like Dougie said, has been you know pretty confident in himself. If 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 anything else, he's got confidence in himself. Maybe not all the players on his team. So uh, just talk about the new regime and uh, what the you know word around uh, Nashville is currently for the Titans. Well, I mean, it's really based off the Patriot way. I mean, Mike Vrabel's a patriot, and of course, so that that cockiness comes into play, being being uh, ingrained in that New England system and whatnot. John Robinson, the GM, he was he was part of the Patriots staff as well. That's why 
you know, when he got the job, you know, Mike Malarkey wasn't really his guy. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why you had this random change. And I think that's one of the main reasons why uh, Robinson decided uh, to fire Malarkey or quote unquote part ways. We all know what that means. But uh, this new regime, I think they need to focus on getting the wide receivers the ball more because. We have Tajay Sharp, Corey Davis, and someone other than Rashad Matthews will need to catch the ball. I mean, uh, Taiwan Taylor was another one as well. And Davis, is, Davis and Taylor and Sharp all combined for one touchdown last season. Right. Just one. Right. And so, you know, Dwayne Walker was the focal point of that offense. Yes. And... You know, when people start to converge on them, who's going to catch the ball? I mean, yes, we, yes, Rashad Matthews was that security blanket when, um, when, uh, Walker wasn't open. And so the Burroughs really more, I think, is more on the defensive side of the ball. Cause look at the secondary. You got Malcolm Butler, Adore Jackson, Kevin Byard. Yeah. But that's a full dynamic set. No, they scary, brother. They scary. Yeah, but they, they uh, we're gonna have and then the thing is, add to their losses they, though. They, uh, Jonathan Cyprian, he tore his ACL in the uh in training camp, right? Yeah, but who right. what's the guy named never just replaced Jonathan Cyprian? What's his name? He's a young guy. No, no, it's Lee. Who's out there? Who's out there? Lee, defensive back that nobody won't uh Logan Ryan. Huh? Logan nobody Ryan. Won't, is it Logan Ryan that nobody won't pull on the team? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's... Logan Ryan, defensive back? Yeah. Kalon Reed? Kalon Reed, yes, yes. Yeah. Brother. He's a... I, okay. Okay. I don't I don't know what they're doing, because I pick him up in a heartbeat. Right. Now the Cyprian's out, because guess what? He's a better... He's a, he's a better defensive back than Cyprian. Yeah, so I, I, I would move in. Yeah, I mean, Cyprian is just, uh, I think Cyprian was probably the liability. You know what? He, he was. Cyprian is, you can't find a fit in him because he's technically, he's a tweener, man. You know, right. he, he should be a linebacker. Right. You know what I mean? But, you know, one-on-one matchups, he's toast every time, 100%. Man. Every time. In the zone, he's toast, man, every time, 100%, man. So it's just like, you know, man, uh, uh, um, run, run fit, he's dynamic. You know what I mean? Rolling over the top, he's dynamic. Man to man, he's a mess. So, um, yeah. the so I, I personally think that when you guys losing him, it did y'all a service because you know he's a, he's been a jag until he got to you guys, and he definitely was a liability for us. When it comes to this offense, um, again, it's going to be a new scheme, you know, but it's probably going to be based somewhat in the. Well, I don't know, because, you know, the Patriot thing is they may if he can get it to as good as Belichick has it, where they just play the way they need to play the win. But I don't know. You know, I don't know. You know, it's another wild card. You know, again, they're going to be a team that's going to have about a month where coming out of the gate, whatever they come out with, you know, teams are going to have to adjust to it on the fly. Yeah. And then with with Matt LaFleur and the success he had with Jared Goff last year. We only can wonder what he's going to do with Mariota 
this year, but you just have to have uh, you got a great running back with Derrick Henry who really emerged late last season. And so I think when he when he came out and especially in like late in the fourth quarter, uh, you put him and then Deion Lewis together, I think that'll be a nice little one two punch there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a Derrick Derrick Henry is definitely a closer. Like, you know, use Lewis to, you know, get him tired, come out of the backfield screens and run inside the sideline. And then late in the second quarter, you start bringing in Henry and start pounding a little bit. And then after halftime, you kind of use the same formula. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then you sprinkle a little bit of Mariota in there, too. Right. Exactly. And it's dangerous. Right, right. It's dangerous. Now, see, that's the thing that people don't understand about that type of offensive package, the whole spread, read, option. It's all based off can you get three guys to really be able to run the ball? You need two running backs and a quarterback to be able to establish running it. And then everything comes off And the wide receivers on the reverse have to be, you know, good running backs too. Right. Because, you know, our our game, and like like, like the – option almost similar to the Titans. We didn't show anyone until we got into the Patriots game that we ran a spread like that, you know, option offense like that. And then your running backs out wide have to be dynamic runners because, you know, the, the Titans have that built-in reverse option too, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it, it, that's the thing about the, um, you know, there's like only one team that's a, this, that has like everybody has film on them, and that's the team that won the division. Everybody else is like wild card. You don't quite know what you're going to get just because we haven't seen Watson play a whole season. You know, we haven't seen their defense play whole underneath their new coordinator and everything like that for the Texans. And then you had two new coaching changes for the Titans and the Colts. So right. it, this division has the potential, though, to be, you know, a really tight division and could get two playoff teams again. So, in wrapping up the AFC South, Doug, I want you to give us your prediction for the finishing order, not really the records, but, you know, who you think is going to win the division, and do you think you guys are going to get two playoff teams again this year? Okay. First of all, I, I'm, uh, I am biased, okay? I can't I can't help but be biased because I'm a Jag. But I, I honestly think the Jags will be number one, just defensive only. You know, we got a bunch of guys that never played together last year and, and took us to the AFC Championship game. But now you have this core group of guys with some new additions. Um, I say the Jags will be number one. Number one run game of last year. I think we continue on that. All the variables with the uh, other teams lead me to believe uh, that the Titans will be number two. I'm yeah, No, I'm sorry. The Texans will be number two. The Titans will be number three. And the Colts will be number four. Okay. That order. All right. Do you think the Texans make it to the playoffs? I do think the Texans make it to the playoffs. All right. I think I think it'll be the Texans and the Jags again out of the division again. Okay. Now, uh, Dwayne, I'll bring you in. And uh, same question. Who do you think is going to win the division in your order? And then uh, do you think that the AFC South will get two playoff teams? Yes and yes. So I pretty much what Doug said summed it up for me too. Jacksonville and their defense. Like, look how look how far they went last year. They stay healthy. There's no reason why they should be able to do it again. So I got Jaguars winning the AFC South. I got the Texans coming in second. Depending uh, on Sean Watson and the defense's health. And then I got the Titans third. And then I got the. I have the um, Colts bringing up the rear. 
The Colts bringing up Greer, yes. And then I think if, based on the AFC West preview, if Kansas City does not do well with Pat Mahomes, I say that the Titans sneak in and the AFC South may win three. Oh, wow. So you're saying that, Ooh. wow, that's, woo. So you're saying that they're going to have a division with three teams that win 10 games. I could say that's a possibility, yes. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, oh, boy, I'm, that's a good topic, right? They Kansas City. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna echo exactly what those guys just said. I think that you know Jacksonville's the class. The Texans are up and coming, and they're close. And then you know you can kind of maybe even flip the Colts and, uh, well, not Tennessee is definitely gonna be third, but it just depends on you know how dynamic their offense is gonna be. Can they overtake? Because those games with Tennessee in uh, Houston are basically gonna be the two games of the, who's gonna you know get that second playoff game playoff spot and if they can match points with the Texans then Tennessee's going to have a good chance to to not even, not only make the playoffs but go really far because they're because their base if they can keep their running game the same and establish their passing game then you know they got the formula to be a team that can win and win ugly if they need to and take it on the road because they proved last year that they could go on the road and win and that doesn't really happen for first time quarterbacks so this is Know the Score. We're in the middle of our AFC and NFC South previews for the upcoming NFL season. You can find Know the Score also on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. So we're going to shift over to the NFC South. Dwayne, we're going to start with your with your team, the Carolina Panthers. They added running back C.J. Anderson, wide receiver Torrey Smith, wide receiver Jarius Wright, defensive tackle Dontario Poe, safety Denorius Searcy. They lost Andrew Norwell, Jonathan Stewart, Kirk Coleman, Charles Johnson, Star Tuolue, and tight end Egg Dixon. Their key additions from the draft are wide receiver DJ Moore, Rashawn Galden, and tight end Ian Thomas. So we're going to also add to their additions uh, offensive coordinator North Turner, as he's going to bring in he's going to bring in his uh his style of offense. But before we get into that, Doug, I see you got to go, man. So. Thank you for coming on, man, and uh, thanks for the shout-outs, man. I appreciate it, man. Listen, I will definitely be tuning in anytime, guy. I would love to join you, fellas. All right, man. I really hey. appreciate this opportunity, fellas. All right, man. No problem. Thanks, man. You too. All right, so, Dwayne, we'll get into it, man. The Panthers, talk about, you know, what you're expecting from these guys this year, uh, especially Cam Newton. It's going to be a big year for him. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy. It's going to be a big emphasis on his protection. Uh but, you know, they lost Andrew Norwell, so that's going to be a blow to what they're trying to establish with him. So talk about your expectations for this year's Carolina Panthers. Well, I think we got a lot of additions here. And don't forget one of the main additions is the new owner, David Patrick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who pretty much has said that he's going to keep everything on the football side as it is. He's keeping he's like, right now, if it isn't broke, why fix it? I uh, let's look at the eleven and five last year. Had it not been for getting swept by the New Orleans Saints, they probably would have won the NFC South. Uh, if you guys could just catch the ball in the end zone, you would have won. The, you would have won the the basically the playoff game that you guys played in. <laughs> why, why, why we got to bring up? <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, it's like that, you know, 
I've, I've always been like, you know, I've always been like, man, you know, Cam Newton, he's not the most accurate quarterback. He doesn't really make it that easy for his receivers sometimes. And so, you know, sometimes I'd always say, you know, the quarterback could have done a little bit better. But in that game, nah, he man. Did every, he did everything. <laughs> nah, he was he on the everything. money. He was on the money in that game. They just could not catch the ball in the end zone. Exactly. So, exactly. And that's what, that's actually a good segue because that's one thing they went and got in the offseason. Yeah, they they really missed. Even though he was a fifty fifty player, they really missed uh, the stretching of the field. That um, I can't even think of his name now. Um, God, who's your take in offered them a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl? Yeah. And even though you know he's not a guy that you would see, you know, you can't th- run across the middle on third and ten and expect him to catch it for you. But if you get second and two and do a play action fake and he's streaking down the side. You know, that was a big part of their run that they went on the Super Bowl with. And they really missed that last year not having him. So I think that's what they're hoping Torrey Smith will add. Right. Torrey Smith, Jarius Wright, and DJ Moore. So uh, Jarius Wright, he was with North Turner in Minnesota. And a lot of people, when North Turner left Minnesota and took that year off before coming back to uh, the sidelines, um, Jarius Wright, I read an article yesterday, actually, in early this morning. Jarius Wright was there. He said North Turner just really wasn't wasn't himself, and he said he's got a different energy about him now. Like he's well, he's rejuvenated. He's ready to you know ready to go, ready to you know get back into the get back into the swing of things. So I like the fact that you know Wright knows the team from. Minnesota, he knows Lord Turner's tendencies. Uh, the fact that Cam Newton's been really open and receptive to uh, what Lord Turner and Scott Turner, the quarterback's coaches, bring it to the table. And, and you know, add that to Devin Funches, who should have boxed out and caught the ball in the end zone of that final pass. But like I said, we're not bringing up last year, last year, last year. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, Greg Olson, his health is going to be a factor, but they did uh, bring in some tight end help there. Uh, losing Ed Dixon, who improved on his passing, did hurt, but, you know, they, they ended up uh, getting Ian Thomas, who's a rookie uh, from Indiana, and he is supposed to be one of the uh, – he's supposed to be one of emerging as a backup four. Four on Greg Olson. He's probably going to be one of the heir parents if he uh, keeps everything up. Uh, Curtis Samuel, uh, his health is going to be, if he can uh, recover from that injury he had, along with uh, Demir Bird, who was a dynamic returner. Christian McCaffrey and CJ McCaffrey and CJ Anderson. Expect a one-two punch. Expect McCaffrey to get more touches out the backfield, about 25 to 30 touches out the backfield along with his receiving prowess. And then the defense is stout. I mean, look at we look at um, Vernon Butler, K1 Short, Julius Peppers, who's on the pump list for now, Dotari Poe, and then Luke Keithy, of course, the secondary, uh, Bradbury, Mike Adams, uh, Rashad Golden, and Dante Jackson, two rookies that are expected to have a huge impact on the secondary and then of course you know Captain Butler and is one of the veteran guys as well so 
I like I do like the uh, makeup of this team. I think the playoffs are very realistic. Uh, of course, it's going to be health. I mean, health is always a factor. Uh, keep it, making sure camp is accurate. And of course, we'll see you in the ball in the end. Of the <laughs> Uh, another team who didn't have one of their players catch the ball in the end zone, the Atlanta Falcons. They won their, they won the division last year, uh, uh, made it all the way to the NFC Championship game, and uh, Julio Jones either lost the ball or turned around too late, but either way, did not make the game-winning catch in the end zone to send the Falcons to the Super Bowl. So they added tight end Logan Paulson. They added cornerback Justin Bethel and right guard Brandon Fusco. They lost defensive end Adrian Claiborne, defensive tackle Dontario Poe, wide receiver Tyler Gabriel, and tight end Levon Taliolo. Their key rookie additions, wide receiver Calvin Ridley, cornerback Isaiah Oliver, and defensive tackle the Adrian Sinat. So talk about uh, Atlanta. Um, they're coming back from such a disappointment, uh, losing in that final second in the NFC Championship game. We've got Julio Jones disgruntled but he is in camp over his contract over you know the escalating cost of receivers you know getting paid and uh, you know he's upset he's made his displeasure known but he's back in camp uh steve startesian last year was a you know a big uh point of contention as the offense didn't appear as dynamic as it had the year before when kyle shanahan was in charge so just talk about atlanta falcons you know second year under um Sartesian. they've added calvin ridley who's going to presumably be their slot receiver so good luck to all the cornerbacks, nickelbacks in the AFC South. Uh, talk about Atlanta uh, and, and can they rebound and uh, at least get back to the NFC Championship game? Well, they went after the wild card, actually. It was uh, Philly and Minnesota in the championship game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The game before, yeah, the, the divisional game. Yeah, the wild card. It was actually a wild card game. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, no, 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 divisional. You're right. Okay, so, yeah, the divisional playoff. Um... Uh, I would have been okay with the Falcons being a possible 9 and 17, but then they had to go draft Calvin Ridley. <laughs> that is going to be a scary combination, and I'm not looking forward to that because I actually wanted Calvin Ridley on the Panthers. I thought that would have been a perfect addition. Don't get me wrong, I like DJ Moore. DJ Moore has impressed me. He has impressed me a lot. But I want a Calvin Ridley. Because <laughs> I see what Calvin Ridley can do. And so, with that being said, you got Calvin Ridley on one side, you got Julio, Julio Jones on the other side, and you have Mohamed Sanu, pretty much. You can, and you can swap. You can swap these guys and put, line them up anywhere. And that's going to be a problem for, like you said, a lot of secondaries in the NFC South. I think I think that if, as long as Matt Ryan doesn't melt under pressure like he's been known to do, sorry, Falcons fans, it is true, um, this could be very scary. And then think about it. You have that plus the one-two punch of Tevin Coleman and Deontay Freeman. Shout out to my fantasy team. Um, man, this Falcons team is just a... And it's just as scary as the Panthers and the Saints, and that's what's been making this these uh, these three teams just so competitive because they're all right there. It's not even like a one, two, three. It's like a one A, one B, one C in Tampa Bay, 
And and yeah, was, I think the Falcons have a great shot to get back to the division. They have another great shot. I mean, this is probably one of the best divisions, if not the best division in football. Uh, a lot of people may disagree with that, but just look at the teams that just look at the teams that their makeup is stacked, and I think now that you have a year under the system that Steve Sarkeesian has, the Falcons could be very lethal. And I think their defense is a little weaker than Carolina's, to be honest, and even even weaker than the Saints. Uh, that's probably one of the reasons why they did finish third in the division, but they're still a force in the AFC South. And, you know, they did go to the NFC Championship not too long ago. So. And the Super Bowl, we know that's what it's going to be. So the New Orleans Saints will be our next team that we uh, uh, review as we had. They added wide receiver Cameron Meredith, safety Kirk Coleman, cornerback Patrick Robinson, inside linebacker Demario Davis, tight end Ben Watson, and quarterback Tom Savage. The Saints lost tight end Kobe Fleener, uh, offensive tackle Zach Strife, cornerback, or excuse me, quarterback Chase Daniel, uh, safety Raphael Bush, their key rookies, defensive end Marcus Davenport, and wide receiver Traquan Smith. Now, last year, the Saints definitely had a revival as they uh, kind of went to the two-headed running back thing, and it gave uh, Drew Brees new life. Of course, uh, Alvin Kamar was the Offensive Rookie of the Year, just came on the scene and, and you know, it was just a terror. So Mark Ingram is going to be suspended for the first four games of the season due to violation of, the uh, you know, drug policy. Uh, so it's going to give Kamara a chance to kind of be the feature back. Now, do you think that that's going to have maybe a, a lessening effect on his game to maybe start out the season? Because, you know, he was more of a, a specialty player. And now, you know, teams are going to already focus on him coming into this year. But now as the starter, you know, the probably the whole defensive game plan will be shut him down first. Agreed, and so, so this is where the rookie Boston Scott will try to come in, and because uh, the Saints want to keep a kind of a young team going, uh, Ingram and Kamara were the two top guys. They brought in the vet, they brought in two vets, Shane Vereen, Terrence West, to uh, compete with Boston Scott for that second uh, running back spot while Mark Ingram is out. Uh, so I think with that being said. It's going to be a going to be one of those uh, things where, yeah, Alvin Kamara, they're going to focus and converge on him a lot more, and and so someone's going to have to be that second dynamic running back that can catch the ball or can return, um, return the ball and crush run the ball. So. Now, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, just, you know, making switching over to their defense, a lot of the fans of the Saints are really excited about um, the uh, rookie that they drafted, uh, Marcus Davenport, um, you know, undersized um, defensive end, but, you know, he's a, a demon coming off of that edge, and they think, a lot of Saints fans think that that was kind of the one thing they were missing late in that game against the uh the Vikings, where they just didn't have anybody to, to kind of get to the quarterback there at the end of the game. So talk about what you think Marcus Davenport can add to the defense that was already really good upon the front line. Well, think about this. Marcus Davenport on one side, Cam Jordan on the other. Uh, we know Cam Jordan is a beast. And you had, it kind of reminds you of 
the Von Bell and DeMarcus Ware, how they operated in Denver. I think uh, that will be the same kind of situation. You'll have uh, Cam Jordan wreaking havoc on one side of the ball and and then uh, Marcus Davenport on the other side um, tearing it up. So those are two um, – if, if they are really high on Marcus Davenport like that, maybe – and if he gets uh, – to become another Cam Jordan, that's going to be uh, terror for the rest of the division as well as the league. Now, the, maybe the one kind of weak spot they did have on defense was in their secondary, but they've added Kurt Coleman. They've added Patrick Robinson. Uh, how do you think that those two additions will help um, the Saints? You know, Kurt Coleman coming over from the Panthers, he knows the division. So that's, you know, nothing but a plus uh, in that regard as far as, you know, helping some of these young guys come along. Yeah, that's gonna help. Uh, it's gonna help a lot because you'll have uh, Kirk Coleman, you have Marcus Williams there, Patrick Robinson on one side, and uh, Lattimore, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, defensive rookie of the year on the other side. So um, that does shore up the secondary. Does address uh, the secondary's needs there. Uh, Kirk Coleman might have a lot of uh, tips and tricks for the. Uh, Saints against the Panthers, but uh, he doesn't have he doesn't have uh, North Turner schemes, so we may see some different things. Uh, uh, yeah, so we may have to see uh, uh, how that goes, but but the secondary definitely just on paper a lot of improvement there. All right, and we're going to wrap up the NFC South by talking about the team that's probably the most disappointing in last year's season, the Tampa Bay Bucks. They added um, this year defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul, defensive end Vinnie Curry, center Ryan Jansen, defensive tackle Bo Allen, and kicker Chandler Cantazaro. Their key losses were running back Doug Martin, defensive tackle Chris Baker, and defensive end Robert Ayers. Their key rookies were defensive tackle Vita Villa, running back Ronald Jones, defensive back MJ Stewart, and cornerback Carlton Davis. So um, right off the top, they're going to be without Jameis for the first three games uh, of the season due to his suspension for you know improper conduct. Um, they had a whole lot of issues with place kicking the last couple of years that have cost them games. Uh, they've moved on from Doug Martin. You know, he was in and out of the lineup as far as, you know, his health and, you know, his production had you know, dip drastically. So talk about the Tampa Bay, man. This is uh, probably if you, of your division, the wild card. You know, nobody really knows what they're going to look like. I think what Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter for the first three games uh, of the season. So, uh, you know, talk about uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks and, you know, what your expectations are for them this year. I wanna, uh, and I'm heavy side because – Last year, I was so high on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, we we both were. Yes, and they did nothing but make me look stupid. <laughs> so I'm not going to even give Tampa Bay. It, it, like I said, it's one A, one B, one C in Tampa Bay in the NFC South. I'm just it, it really because I'm like, okay, this team actually looks like they're gonna. Finally, catch up to the rest of the division. They're going to be a very. They're going to be some major players, and they did nothing. And I was just 
flabbergasted. I mean, and now I'm just sitting here like, how do how do I um uh, how do I um uh, I don't know. I just don't know about Tampa Bay. I, I I I thought, hey, I mean, I even thought, hey, Jameis is gonna get these guys. He's gonna make this division even more competitive than it already is, and he did nothing. So even with these first three games, of Clark Fitzpatrick at quarterback, I don't trust him. Anyway. With, I don't trust anything with Ryan Fitzpatrick day water anyway. So I definitely don't trust him very Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm gonna just sit here and just say this. Ken Bay is a wild card. They are wild card. I will say that. That's about as complimentary as I'm gonna give this team. I'm not gonna say, hey, they're gonna do great. They're gonna look like because I said that last year and they made me look stupid. And I don't like teas out here making me look stupid. So I'm not gonna I have nothing to say about Southern Bay. I'll just say this as a in the in the division, they always have those crap games, and I think Tampa Bay is one of those crap games because you think, hey, you look at Tampa Bay, yeah, it looks like the W right there. Then somehow they find a way to win. It always happens with the Panthers. Um, I'm trying to look at the roster at the moment, and I'm trying to see like if there's anything. That you should fear, just yeah. I'm trying to like the only thing I will fear is Mike Evans. That's about it. Um, I don't like anything owned by the Glazers. I mean, I don't like Kevin Bay Bus. I don't like Manchester United. So anything Glazer related, I don't really care. Hold on. Do you think you think OJ Howard may be able to break out by having uh, Fitzpatrick a more you know a bit a, a not maybe more talented, but he's seen more things in Jameis Winston, so he may be more apt to kind of check it down to O.J. Howard than force it like Jameis would do last year. So do you think that yeah. might be a benefit to O.J. Howard early on in the season? I think it, I think that'll get him going. I think that'll get his confidence going. Because I, I really – he was on a milk cart last year because I was like, oh, O.J. Howard, this is going to be great for the Bucs. They ain't going to look good with this – Dynamic player and James did not get him the ball, made him look stupid too. Um, I do like the fact, I mean, you got. Was the Sean Jackson there last year? Yeah, yeah, he was there last year. All there, everybody but Mike Evans was on a milk carton last year when it came to their passing <laughs> game. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, hell not, because I just look up there. Oh, the shot dancer, but he was that he was already. Oh, okay. Um, the quiz, the quiz. Rogers is probably the only good thing going for this team, if we're being honest. Like, and that's not saying much on the offensive side of the ball, because everybody was on a milk cart last year. Right. Right. So, well, um. I'll turn it over to your prediction for the division winner, where everybody will finish, and then do you think that this team, this division, excuse me, will pull off that unprecedented feat of getting three playoff teams again this year? All right, so the Orleans is going to take the division again. 
I like the fact that they did not change much on either side of the ball. That had like a major impact. Carolina is going to be right up there with it. So the ones of Carolina are going to be the two teams. I think they're locks. Atlanta. Atlanta's going to be tough because it depends on the emergence of the 49ers out of the West. Aaron Rodgers health in Green Bay in the North. And then how the Giants come out in the East. So I'm going to say Atlanta's going to be the one that they are candidate, but I'm not going to make them a lock. I think the two locks. I, the two locks, I want to say New Orleans, Carolina, Atlanta, Tampa Bay. The NFC is very interesting this year because realistically, you could make a case that every division could have two playoff teams. Right. And so, you know, if you go into that premise and say, okay, Philly and Dallas in, in the East, if you say Atlanta and, or if you say New Orleans and Carolina in the South, and then you go over to the West and you say San Francisco in, in, in uh, Los Angeles. And then in the north, you're thinking a Minnesota again with uh with with a Green Bay. So you you may have to win twelve games to actually be like a wild card team that's off the beaten path, and you still might not make it because there's gonna be so many teams you're gonna have to jump. You know what I'm saying? If the premise holds true, because you know I think Dallas is gonna get double digit wins this year. I think. Um, you know, San Francisco is going to be right there. If they don't, if they might get 10, they're at least going to get nine. So, you know, you're going to have to really play some ball. If you're the Redskins, if you're the, yeah, if you're the Redskins, if you're, if you're like projected third and fourth in your division and you really want to make some noise, you ain't going to be able to sneak in here with a late run and get eight and eight, nine and seven to sneak in the back this year in the NFC. You're going to have to really come out and put up a 10 or an 11 or even a 12. If you want to knock off, some of these teams that look like they're going to be there. So it's going to be real interesting in the AOC when it comes down to the, to the playoffs. But, you know, as we always say through this whole podcast, that's just on the paper. Everybody's for the most part healthy and, you know, but once the injuries start, you know, things will start changing drastically. So before we uh, depart from the NFL, we're going to talk about the hall of fame weekend really fast as we have Randy Moss, Brian Erlacher, Terrell Owens, Ray Lewis, and Brian Dawkins being enshrined uh, this weekend. So one of the most star-studded classes ever as far as just name power, especially, you know, in, you know, the modern, you know, last 30 years of the NFL football. Um, of course, you know, T.A., T.O., excuse me, made all the news about, you know, not showing up and having his own deal and not being included in any of the festivities. But, you know, the show still goes on without a hitch without him. So, you know, this is one of my favorite, um, you know, Hall of Fame uh, things that the NFL does. They really, you know, make every guy feel special. And, uh, you know, every guy gets a chance to thank all the people in his life that, you know, help him get to this point. So I'm really looking forward to this. I may fast forward the Ray Lewis uh, speech and maybe DVR it so I can fast forward his speech uh, over under on Ray Lewis. Uh, 25 minutes or 52 minutes? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go over. He's going to probably have Probably have an hour long sermon that everybody's gonna fall asleep on and be like wrap it up, be. Yeah, yeah, so um, you know, a guy like I'm I'm glad to see a guy like Brian Dawkins get in because, you know, safeties are one of those positions that 
you know, it's really hard for those guys to get in because, you know, a lot of times unless you're intercepting the ball, um, you, it's really hard for a safety to kind of make himself known. You know, you can't just necessarily be a hard hitter and, and get in as a safety. So I'm glad to see that they recognize Brian Dawkins for, you know, all the all the plays and, and big moments that he had for um, Philadelphia. So, you know, that's one of those under underserved positions in the Hall of Fame is safety. So I'm always glad to see uh, safeties get into the Hall of Fame. So. Dwayne, we'll take one last turn on one last topic, and that's Urban Meyer up at Ohio State. Uh, he's had a rough couple of weeks here, especially this past week, where you know we had some allegations surface about one of his coaches having a domestic abuse, a history of domestic abuse, and then he had charges brought against him. Uh, Urban Meyer said that you know he did not know, and that uh, you know. He was unaware of the most recent abuses. He said that back in 2015, he did follow the proper protocols to, you know, alert, you know, the staff and everything of what was going on. But, you know, this has resurfaced here and he is on administrative leave, which means they're looking through language to probably see how they can get out from under Urban Meyer. So uh, just talk about the fallout, uh, you know, coming down in the Big Ten all over the place and all of their athletic departments. Looks like everybody's got something, some kind of dirt going on off the field. This isn't, isn't like cheating or anything uh, in the Big Ten, but uh, specifically it's Urban Meyer. Method. Yeah, just, you know, Urban Meyer. And uh, this may be the thing that cost him his career at Ohio State and in coaching in general. Right. Uh, situations like this, uh, very unfortunate. And, you know, you can just pray and – you know, support Shelby Smith throughout this ordeal. Um, as for Urban Meyer, I don't know if he reported it or not. I think he's just doing it to save face and try to, you know, keep his job or whatever. But because we haven't seen any documents that show that, you know, he reported this or he said things out to his. Uh, things out to compliance, and it's one of those things where it will cost. It may likely cost him a job. I mean, Ohio State. If anything, Ohio State is about is about the image, and you know they, especially around the football program, if they're if anything looks like they're taking a hit or anything that looks like a black guy. They're going to get rid of I mean, heck, what, they got rid of Jim Trestle. Jim Trestle was a god at Ohio State. Like, people still talk about Jim Trestle to this day. And he is, he was, they got rid of him. So they got rid of him. They definitely get rid of Urban Meyer. Uh, and what's up the good look for Urban Meyer is? You know, he was trying to distance himself from it and say, you know, this newer stuff he didn't have any prior knowledge of. He thought that, you know, once they they had supposedly him and his wife had some type of counseling with the uh, the victim and, and her husband, her then husband back in 2015. And so that's what he's you know, that's what that's where he says his knowledge of everything. And that as far as he knew from that point on, everything was fine. But the smoking gun that came out this week was. The victim said that she shared pictures and text messages with all the coaches' wives, including Urban Meyer's wife. And as anybody who's married knows or been in a relationship knows, when something like that happens, your wife doesn't keep it a secret from you. She's going to tell you. 
So he definitely, so, you know, that's the thing that he's having a hard time trying to distance himself from. I think everything was fine with his story as far as Ohio State was concerned until the victim was like, oh, yeah, Shelly Meyer, she knew too. (laughs) And then everybody was like, okay, well, she knew there's no way Urban didn't know. He can't, he can't cop that play anymore. Right. So, um, you know, right now, um, like I said, he is um, not. Uh, coaching the team through the training camp um so you know we'll see kind of what this uh how far this goes into the season i'm pretty sure to hopefully get this wrapped up in the next couple of weeks either way whether they bring them back or or let them go so um we'll definitely keep you updated on a, a situation in ohio state with urban meyer so Dwayne, at this time man open it up to you for your shout outs thank yous if you had a final thought this is the time for that as well yeah, so uh, shout out to the listeners. Thank you for listening. Uh, shout out to the CSPN family. Shout out to our co-host, Jesse Tobias, as always. Um, uh, of course, shout out to you, Don. Always happy to be here. Thank you. And my final thoughts. I never was more ashamed to be a New York Mets fan than I was the other nights. And so you know how you get Major League at bat notifications, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking, I'm at work here, mind you. So I'm already kind of done with baseball season as it is. But. This was the final straw. Seven nothing after the second inning. Fifteen nothing after the fourth inning. I turned the notifications off after it hit fourteen nothing. <laughs> when I saw the final score was twenty five to four, any ounce of my fandom for the New York Mets for twenty eighteen went out the window. How'd you even get four? It's a miracle. <laughs> I I was just disgusted, man. Well, and, at, and at least y'all got one of the uh, the pictures for the Nationals uh, demoted. He got straight up released. But still, twenty five to four, man. Find some like, songs. Find some Jose, songs. Jose, Jose, Jose Reyes had a. <laughs> I can't even talk. Serving up that salad. Serving up that salad. Man, oh my gosh. I I was the I mean first, you know, eleven and one that everybody was healthy. I was like, it's gonna something told me this is why I never get optimistic when they get off to a hot start. Twenty fifteen when they got off to a big start. I didn't get optimistic until September because I know by June something always happens and they fall off. And I knew by the time June came around when the Mets hit this slide, they were 11 and 1 to start out with since then they have been 33. Wow. I am done. Well, the good thing about baseball is there's always next year. <laughs> hey, the Chicago Cubs fans lived that for 102 years, man. Yeah, I guess, but 
everything just seems like whatever the best do bad things is just magnified by 10 million. Well, it wouldn't be so bad if the Yankees weren't playing so good because it's like the stark contrast. Yeah, I get. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably yeah. Yeah, because the Yam Yankee complex. <laughs> so uh, I like to give a shout out to my cousin Dougie for joining us here on another score this week. Give a shout out to my co-host, the Libra Icon Dwayne. Of course, give a shout out to Nabias and Jesse. Give a shout out to everybody here on the CSPN who contributes to the podcast each and every week. Um, you guys can help contribute to the podcast here each and every week by becoming Patreon members. You can sign up at www.patreon.com forward slash CSPN media. Uh, we have a couple of tiers that you guys can sign up for to help sponsor and support the podcast each and every month. Uh, there's a $1 tier where you can just put something on the, on the, on the light bill, as they say, or there's a $3 tier where you can get exclusive content as we're going to have all types of new exclusive content from uh, Ratchet Ramblings, Bad and Boozy, the WrestleCast, and all the other podcasts here on the CSPN. So, uh, consider becoming a Patreon member and going to www.patreon.com forward slash CSPN media. So my final thought would be um, NFL training camp, worst time of the year for me. I wish they, they could just wrap everybody up in bubble wrap and nobody get hurt because I hate to see guys uh, out for the season and they get hurt in these meaningless games. Um and with that being said, they're going to have a lot of uh, new flags and new penalties this year in the NFL, as we saw in the uh, Hall of Fame game. This new kind of it's not quite targeting, but it's the closest thing to it that we can kind of compare it to in the NFL, where guys are going to have to offense and defense are going to learn have going to have to learn how to you know readjust their launch points and aiming uh, and what they hit now because uh, it's going to be penalties on both sides. So in theory. A running back drops the shoulder and kind of his helmet hits a dude in the chest and pushes him back, they could call a penalty. And, you know, that's how a lot of these running backs score their touchdowns around the goal line. So it's going to be real interesting to see how strict they are at the beginning of the season with this rule. And, you know, if it kind of, you know, if they ease up on it as the season in the playoffs uh, get closer, because, you know, in the first like month of the season, there's going to be a lot of fans upset about plays that change games that are that are going to draw penalties. So, Dwayne, let me bring you in on that before we wrap up. Just kind of what do you think about that that new uh, the new rule as far as the helmet, you know, not hitting with the top of the helmet, not dropping your head, and it works on offense and defenses. This this doesn't work just for defenses for offense in theory too. Yeah, it's going to be very very interesting to see how this rule gets enforced. Um, over the next uh, few games in the preseason and the start of the regular season. Um, I, I'm all for the safety of the players. I mean, this is a very violent game, but this is kind of also, you know, of course you stupidly don't want to lead with your head. That's, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm kind of just concerned about is, you know, what – if it, I mean, even if it's incidental, the likelihood of it being called could be magnified that much more. And so, you know, a player may not even be looking to, you know, hit in that area, but it just so happens that, you know, it kind of 
brushes up and if it's significant enough, we still get called for it. I think it's gonna create a lot of a lot of controversy. And I see a disaster way to happen, man. You know, especially you know, being on both sides of the ball, like you said. That's how running backs, you know, that's how running backs get the touchdowns. And, and so how how will it uh how are you going to react to it and how are you going to act at this point? I also think if they do enforce it strictly, that will prolong the game a lot longer. So we might be seeing kickoff times at 5 o'clock at the great day that go if it's enforced strictly. Right, right. So, yeah, it's just going to be something for everybody to watch uh, going forward in the preseason and uh, during this early part of the season, just, you know, how they enforce this new rule, how – how tightly they're going to enforce it. You know, those bang, bang plays are now going to be, you know, even more, um, you know, of a wild card now when it comes to the flag. I mean, they were before, but it's going to be even more now. So uh, that's just something that I've got my eye on as uh, going forward into the preseason and into the season. So for my co-host, the Libra Icon Delane, and thank you once again to my cousin Dougie for joining us. I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.